This is my tribe. 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 tribe. What's up? Welcome to the Tribe Night Messages podcast. Tribe Night is for students who are curious about faith and eager to discover how a relationship with Jesus could change their lives, their schools, and the heartland. For more information, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at cstone.students or text tribe to 94000. Hope you enjoy the message.
someone that is nice to see. You guys are amazing. Um, so we're going to talk about what friends are. If you're anything like me, does anyone here like a good YouTube video? Yeah. yeah. People still watch YouTube videos. Yeah. So I love a good YouTube video sometimes. Or how many of you guys are into action movies? You're into action movies, Marvel Universe, all that stuff. All right. How many of you guys love a good song? Like you just love music. How many of you have ever been so entranced in a good song, or in a good TV show, or in a good movie, or in a good YouTube video, that sometimes you feel like you know the people on the other side of the screen? Anyone ever feel like that? For example, there's some TV shows that I watch that I have seen every episode ever that has ever come out. And every time a character dies, a little part of me dies because I feel like I know that person. And then Tamara has to go, you know, this is just a TV show, right? I'm like, you're right, but I'm still emotionally attached. And so eventually the moment passes in those TV shows where the main character dies. Um, if you're a Grey's Anatomy fan, Derek dies. If you're not a Grey's Anatomy fan and you haven't made it that far yet, Derek dies. Um, and it's, it's, if you haven't made it that far, you're about eight years behind. You need to get with it. Um, you're on the, oh, you're real behind. Sorry about it, Derek dies. Um, spoiler, a lot of people die. It's tragic, but I'm a little addicted to it. Um, and when we're watching these shows, we're watching these movies, a lot of times we get sucked in and we start to believe that what's happening on the screen is real. But what we're here to talk about tonight is who are my real friends? Who are my real friends? What we learned earlier is that Dylan and Lucas are good friends, but they don't know a lot about each other. You don't know How do you not know that he has three dogs? Because I one. What do you do with your other two dogs? Well, <laughs> the dog sleeping in your mouth reminds me of one that has seizures. Um, it does sound. Well, I will, I will let that one slide. But who are your real friends? What is the definition of having a real friend? I know that friendship is huge in middle school and high school. Your friends are your people, they're your tribe, they're your squad, they're your people that you do things with on the weekends that sometimes you regret doing. There are people that when you're bored, you pick up the phone and you text them or you call them or you Snapchat them. There are people that you may or may not cheat off their homework. There are people that you rely on in your life. But I want to challenge you with the question of who are real friends? They may be friends that you go to when you break up with your boyfriend or girlfriend and they're there to talk with you about it. They may be friends that you go to when you have bad things happening in your house and your parents are fighting and you just need an escape. Who are your real friends? You see, friendship is easy, but finding real friends can be extremely challenging. Friendship is easy, but finding real friends can be extremely challenging. Some of the reasons that finding friends to hang out with, real friends, and we're going to continue to define what that means, can be this. Maybe it's hard for you to find a friend group because things in your life are always changing. 
You're moving cities, you go to a new school, you move from middle school to high school, you move from elementary school to middle school, you graduate high school, maybe you're switching classes because all of a sudden you're in AP classes, or maybe all of a sudden the new faces in your life change. And you can make new friends, but it's not cool to continue to make new friends because your life is changing so much. Or maybe you don't feel like you have real friends because you have hard to meet standards when it comes to friendship. This is the one that I can relate to the most. My standards of friendship are extremely, extremely high. And it scares some people. But when I decide I'm going to be friends with someone, I'm going all in, like head first into the friendship. We're going to talk a little bit more about this next week, but there are some guys in my life that were in my wedding that drove 12 to 15 hours to see my son when he was born in the hospital, that when my dad passed away, they got on planes and they flew across the country. Like, I have high standard for friendships. If one of them called me right now, I would leave after I'm done here and go get in the car or get on a plane to go to them if that's what they needed. High standard of friendships. But what that does for me sometimes is it makes it very hard to find friends because everyone else doesn't share high standard of friendships. So maybe your high standards are stopping you from having real friends. Like, they don't want to connect enough throughout the week. They don't want to hang out on the weekends. They don't remember the important details of your life, like what color your eyes are, or how many dogs you have. Um, Y'all are really great friends. Don't you feel that way? Y'all are great friends, yes? Yeah. No. I, I see how close you're sitting right now. That's great. Um, so the third thing is maybe you don't feel like you have any friends at all. I've been there in my life. You're worried about, you're not worried about finding real friends, you're just worried about finding friends in general. You just want someone to talk to. You want someone to hang out with. You want someone, because everywhere you look, people look like they have really, really good friends. And on the outside looking in, it looks like they're having a great time. And the last one is maybe you're not sure where you stand with your friends. So maybe you had some really good friendships and all of a sudden you're not in the text thread anymore, you're not in the Snapchat group anymore. All of a sudden everyone's hanging out on the weekend and you're not invited. What do you do in those situations? When the people that you think were your real friends turn their back I think we can all agree that no matter what your friend situation looks like, it comes when it comes to figuring out real friendship, real friendship, the struggle is real, just like that last sentence was. So when it comes to figuring out real friendship, the struggle is real. You know, anytime we're looking at questions like this and knowing that it's going to be a struggle to figure out how we approach it. We always need to turn to the Bible. But before we do that, the central idea behind most friendship is, what can I get out of it for me? And God is asking us to flip that. God is asking us to ask the question, what can I do for you, instead of what can you do for me? You see, when it comes to friendship, we all tend to focus on what we're not getting from the people in our lives when we should be focusing on what are we giving the people in our lives. So one of the best examples of a real friend is Jesus. How many of you guys know I was going to say Jesus? Anyone? 
because we're in church, Jesus is an appropriate answer. But this is how I know that Jesus was a good friend. There's the Gospels that start the New Testament. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the Gospels are accounts of what happened on earth when Jesus was here. And one of the Gospels, written by a guy named John, everyone say John. John. Gives great detail about Jesus and the way that he treated the people that were around him. Jesus and John were really good pals. The Bible even goes to say that John was the disciple that Jesus loved the most. So John and Jesus were great friends. And so what we're going to read tonight, we're going to pick up in the book of John, chapter 13. And it's, before we get there, let me set the stage for you. So this guy, John, is writing this account of what happened moments before one of the most serious moments in Jesus' life. If you didn't know, Jesus came as a baby and then ultimately died on the cross for our sins. So the moment that this story that we're about to read that is happening is right before Jesus goes to the cross. So Jesus is hanging out with the disciples in one of the last meals that he will ever have with them on earth. And Jesus knows the seriousness of this moment that's happening. Multiple times before this passage, we see that Jesus is even pleading with God that if he doesn't have to do this, don't let it be so. But God has a plan and Jesus knows that plan. And so Jesus knew what was approaching. The disciples had no idea what was going to happen. So considering what was ahead of him, Jesus could have been looking around the table at his friends and thinking, what are these guys going to do for me when all of this happens? So remember, we're always thinking, what are my friends going to do for me? And Jesus could have easily had that question. What are these guys going to do for me when all of this happens? What are they going to do for me when the Roman guards break into this room and try to take me away? What are they going to do for me when they see me crucified on the cross? What are they going to do for me when I take my last breath and they put me in a tomb? He could have been asking that question. But instead, he asked a different question. Instead of being reactive, Jesus was proactive with his friends. And this is where we pick it up in the book of John, chapter 13, verses 4 through 5. It says, So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. No matter how many times I read that verse, it blows my mind. That here is Jesus in his last, one of his last moments on earth, with his closest group of friends, and he chooses to serve them. He doesn't ask, what are you going to do for me? He flips the question, he asks, what am I going to do for you? You see, in ancient times, people walked everywhere. Kind of like we drive everywhere, they would walk everywhere, and a lot of times they couldn't afford shoes, so they would walk everywhere barefoot. That's like walking through dog poo, donkey poo, cow poo, and all of the other stuff that comes out of animals and humans, because they didn't have indoor plumbing. So they would walk everywhere. Their feet were disgusting. And in this time, when people would come into other people's houses, there was normally a servant. So that makes the story even stranger, that Jesus took the place of the servant and washed his disciples' feet. So when you would go to someone's house, the servant would stop you at the door, sit you down on a stool, take off your sandals if you were wearing them, and they would wash your feet. You see, the servant in this day and age in ancient times 
had no place at the table. The servant was normally serving kings and queens and rich people, people that had status, people that had money. The servant didn't really have a place. You see, why would Jesus do something like this? I think that Jesus stopped in that moment, got down on his knees and washed his disciples' feet because Jesus was trying to show us what real friendship looks like. You see, Jesus took the first step. He didn't wait for someone else to do the work in his friendships. He didn't wait to see what John and Matthew and Mark were going to do in the situation. Jesus took the first step and got down on his knees and washed his friends' feet. He showed them that the kind of friend he wanted them to be was to be a friend that was about serving other people. So before we move on, I'm going to get Zach to come up here. Yeah. What's up, Zach? Zach didn't know I was going to call him up here. You can't see it in the chair. So I'm going to demonstrate to you what Jesus would have done to his disciples. So Zach, I hope you took a bath this morning. We're going to watch Zach's feet. He, he just said his feet are kind of sweaty. Hey, at least you keep your toenails. That's good. And so Jesus got down on the floor. I'm sure they didn't have plastic buckets. Maybe they did. I don't know. You never know. And Jesus decided to show them what it looked like to take the place of a servant. So instead of the servant coming and washing Zach's feet, and Zach has played four nine square. Zach's run around the building. Did you take a nap today? I sweat when I take a nap, so I don't know if you sweat. You were wearing socks and these shoes that I don't understand. Um, and so your feet might be a little sweaty. They might be a little gross. They're not as bad as walking all day over animal crap and pee and dust and dirt. You didn't do any of that before you came to church tonight, right? Maybe. We don't know. So Jesus got down, and I hope this water's not too Okay, good. I mean, I can't do anything about it. It is cold. And so Jesus got down. And he washed his disciples' feet. Ultimately, I'm going to touch your foot. Are you tell me? It's weird. All right. And he washed his disciples' feet with water. And a lot of you right now are like freaking out because if you're anything like my wife, you absolutely hate feet. Anyone in the room hate feet? Yeah. I guess the weirder question would be, anyone in the room love feet? Um, and so he washed his disciples' feet, knowing that moments later they would come in, take him to the cross, because in that moment Jesus was saying, this is what friendship looks like. Me being willing to go out of my way, to be uncomfortable, to serve Zach in this moment, in his sweaty feet. Your feet don't smell bad. I could have picked a lot for this person. Um, I could have picked Dylan. You're right. Let's give it up for Zach. Not anymore, he's walking the park. Um, 
So Jesus chose to show them what real friendship looked like. Not, I'm not saying you need to go wash all your friends' feet. That might be a little weird. You just show up at your house with your bucket and your bin. You're like, hey, I'm here to wash your feet. My pastor said I need to wash your feet. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying, and I don't want you to miss this moment. I want everyone to look right here. I don't want you to miss this moment. What Jesus has called you to do in your friendships is to serve your friends as if you were serving him. To go out of your way to make sure that you're including your friends in the things that you need to include them in. To make sure you're praying for them. Make sure you're reaching out for them. If you haven't seen them in a while, pick up the phone, shoot them a text, call them. You know, phones still call people and ask them how they're doing. So in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus said something that sums up his take on friendship. So Luke chapter 6 verse 31 says, Do to others as you would like them to do. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. You see, we need to treat our friends the way that we wish to be treated. This is something that we learn a lot of times in kindergarten or even before kindergarten. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Let's try it again. Treat others the way you want to be treated. And so it's something that we learn at a very young age, but a lot of us have a hard time doing it. And a lot of our friends make it extremely hard to treat them the way that we want to be treated. For example, you're in a texting group all of a sudden and they take you out of the group. Your instinct might be to retaliate and start a group without them in it. Or your friends invite you or invite everyone else to do something and they don't invite you. You might have the urge to then invite other people to hang out and to leave that one person out. But what God is calling us to do is to treat others the way that we want to be treated. You see, we want our friends to value us, to include us, to notice us, and to be kind to us. We want to feel important to our real friends. And that's exactly what Jesus shows us when it comes to friendship. We have to take the first step. We have to treat our friends the way we want to be treated. We have to make the first move. Think about that verse, Luke 6, 31. It says, do to others as you would like them to do to you. Let's imagine that in today's terms, using some of today's terms, Jesus said the same thing. What if I texted others the way that I would like to be texted? What if I invited others as I would like to be invited? What if I talked to others in the way that I would like to be talked to? Or what if I posted on social media about others the way that I would want others to post about me? This is extremely difficult to do, and it's an extremely countercultural way to look at friendships. But it's what God is calling us to do. God is calling us to be the friend that we want to have. So no matter what your friendship situation looks like, whether you have a ton of friends or you have just one friend, we can all work on being the kind of friend that we want to have. You see, Jesus set the tone with his friendships. Jesus chose to serve his friends over being served. And we can do this. We can make the first move. It's as simple as if your friends aren't asking you to hang out, you can ask them to hang out first. If you're anything like me, I would rather sit there on my couch and do absolutely nothing and be bored over reaching out to someone and asking them to hang out if there's a chance that they'll say no. If your friend's not texting you first, you can text them first. 
If someone left you out of the group, you don't have to retaliate. You can find something else to do. You see, in big and small ways, make the first move to create the kind of friendships that you want to have. In big and small ways, make the first move to create the kind of friendships that you want to have. You see, making the first move is not easy. It's scary. Like I said, I don't like being rejected by people. So, I don't necessarily love texting people first or going out of my way to ask people things because what if they say no? Well, in reality, in the grand scheme of life, if they say no, life goes on, right? It's not like the world's going to come crashing to an end because someone said no. So, be willing to take that first step even though it is scary. You see, you won't regret treating other people the way that you would like to be treated. Now maybe some of you are sitting here and you're thinking, I don't even feel like I have one friend, one real friend to move towards. And if that's what you're thinking, I want to encourage you with this. Learn how to be a friend to you. Learn how to be a friend to yourself. So what does it look like for you to take some time and get to know yourself better? Take some time and pray and read your Bible and spend time with the Lord to get to know what you love about yourself. You see, we often treat the way, we often treat others the way that we treat ourselves. But we can't treat others right if we don't know how to treat ourselves. So you need to take some time to get to know you better. If you begin to be the friend you want to have, your life will be better for it. Your friends will be better for it. And the band can go ahead and make your way back up as we wrap up. I want to encourage you that as you're going throughout this week, as you're going throughout the rest of this school year, um, leading up to Christmas, Christmas can be a very lonely time for a lot of people. Christmas and the holiday season, Thanksgiving, reminds a lot of people about the people that they have lost in their lives, whether it's grandparents or friends or relatives. I want you guys to be willing to take that first step, to be willing to take that scary leap and invite people into your friend circles that normally wouldn't be there. I saw a lot of you do that just last weekend. Some of you came to the retreat last weekend not knowing anyone. And you left with people that you consider friends. And so, as we get ready to wrap up and sing a couple more, couple more worship songs, I want to challenge you with this. Be the friend that you want someone to be to you. So if you'll bow your heads and close your eyes, and I'll pray for us tonight. God, I just thank you for everything that you're doing here in Southern Illinois. I thank you that every week we get to learn more about you. I thank you that you're calling us to love people in ways that we can never fully understand how it's going to change. I thank you that we are all forming friendships and we're all on this relational journey together. God, I pray that you challenge us this week in how we can look at how we can serve our friends better. How we can take the position that Jesus took. And while we don't have to physically wash our friends' feet, I love the symbolism of that. 
that in some of the last moments on earth with his friends, Jesus chose to serve them. What would it look like if everyone in this room chose to serve their friends this week? If they chose to serve their families this week? God, I just thank you for continually to draw us deeper, to continue to push us out of our comfort zones. God, I pray that you give these students courage this week as they go to serve their friends and their families. I pray that you start to build relationships and friendships and strengthen friendships that need to be strengthened and in friendships that don't need to be there. God, I pray even now, before next week's talk about our inner circle, that you would start to help these students process who's in their inner circle of their friends. And if those friends are worth being there. God, we just pray all these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen.